This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. So Albertans have just gone through two rounds of elections. Of course, we had the federal election, and then very shortly after that, we all went to the polls and the municipal elections. And what happens every time we have an election? We're bombarded with messaging, right? You must go vote. You must exercise your right to vote. People died for your right to go out and vote. You must get involved in the process. Um, well, like all Canadians, Canada's Indigenous population, see, here's the same messages, but they also hear another message. This is really, really interesting. They're told, please go vote. They get the same messages we all get. Told it's important that their voices are heard on Election Day, but there's also a group, a sizable group, um, that says, no, don't go vote. In fact, you shouldn't vote. It's a really complex situation, very interesting, and it's about a lot more than just going to the polls and casting your ballot. So to find out more about this, we're going to chat with Chadwick Cowie, a faculty lecturer in the Department of Political Science at McGill University. Chadwick, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate you joining us. No problem. Thank you for having me. This really is a very interesting discussion. Uh, I'm fascinated by this. And the whole issue, right, when we talk about First Nations, Métis, and Inuit Canadians voting in any election, really it comes down to an issue about citizenship and sovereignty, right? Um, yes, and, and terminology and, and how it's discussed um, from the Canadian context towards uh, First Nation, Inuit, and Métis peoples. Um, and just explain that a bit to us and why there's, there is a group out there in a community that believes, you know what, getting involved in the Canadian electoral process is actually the wrong thing to do. So it's, it's, it's more than one community. There's, we need to remember First Nations comprises 50 different nations, then there's Métis, and then there's four different regions of Inuit. So when, we, when we're talking about them, we need to remember to pluralize that, because that's sometimes the, 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 the concern that we have is that we lump them all together without understanding the unique histories that all three subgroups have, but then also the unique uh, history and relationship to, to the Canadian state and the crown that First Nations specifically would have, depending on the nation that they're from and where they're from. And so sometimes when we're talking about that and, you know, we, we assume certain things in regards to them, in regards to being one. We forget those histories and the complexities that exist, because obviously we're, we're, I'm, I'm speaking to you from Mohawk territory here in um, Montreal. That relationship and the relationship with the Haudenosaunee towards the Canadian state, uh, towards this idea of Canadian citizenship, is going to be quite different from some of the other regions, such as where I'm from, which is near Peterborough, Ontario, my communities there, as well as Treaty 7 and Treaty 6. And that complicated history, I mean, even when you're talking about the uh, granting the right of citizenship and the right to vote, that it's a very recent development for Canada's Indigenous peoples. So, uh, yes, it is. And let's, uh, sorry to, to, to be careful with that. And let's be careful of saying Canada's Indigenous peoples as well, because that denotes ownership. And it's something okay, that we have to take into consideration. And it's, it's, a, it's a conversation that um, sometimes gets forgotten because cause the way it's approached, and this is the the thing that we sometimes forget when we're talking about um, this concept of citizenship and the granting of the rights to vote, um, we need to remember that for, for some people, citizenship is looked at as a gateway forward, as a way of being able to move forward, becoming part of the democratic process, becoming part of a new a new country that they've immigrated to or that they've had to to, to flee to because of what's going on in their home territories or their home country. Uh, for First Nations and Inuit and, and, and to an extent Métis, citizenship was used as a way to 
deconstruct their own identities and their own nationhoods, their 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 citizenship, their their citizenship structures, their 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 legal structures, their cultural and political structures, their governance structures. So there's some concerns that come with that when we're looking at that, and especially for for Inuit when we're talking about Inuit peoples, we need to remember that they were granted citizenship and the rights to vote in 1951. Um, but most of them didn't get a chance to start voting until the late 70s because ballot boxes and ballots were not actually right. given to these communities. And on top of that, there's a strong argument that the whole idea of granting citizenship to Inuit people wasn't because of wanting to give them equal access to being equal Canadians. It was because they needed them for sovereignty issues, uh, especially during the Cold War in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And, and as the height of the Cold War continued on in the 80s, um, they were used as what we would call human flagpoles rather than as equal citizens for Métis Granting citizenship into Canada comes with the Manitoba Act in 1870. Um, but for a lot of Métis people, they had to hide their identity after yeah. that because of the movement of Anglophones from, 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 from what we call Ontario now out there and becoming the majority and then chipping away and attacking them. A lot of them had to claim being French-Canadian or, or being Francophone in order to avoid persecution. And then for First Nations, we need to remember that although the granting of citizenship in 1960 comes about, it's done through a lens of just focusing on socioeconomic issues, not that treaty or nation-to-nation relationship. And at the same time, that whole enfranchisement before 1960, it was enfranchisement was used to destroy and get rid of First Nations identities uh, and, and that claim to their, their home communities and their home nations. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. And th- that's the key point here, right? I mean, basically, as you mentioned, these are sovereign nations that we're talking about here. So when you get involved in the Canadian electoral process, there's that whole discussion of you're participating in a system that you didn't even agree to. This is not what you agreed to, what the treaties are based on. It, it, you're supposed to have your own sovereign, independent nation, right? Yes, and so so this is sometimes the part that comes, and you see this a lot with the the Haudenosaunee communities or the the Iroquois communities, where they were they will remind you that they don't participate, and they're they're strongly opposed to it. Not all, but but a good chunk of them are very opposed to it because it goes against their treaty relationship with the crown. It goes right. against that agreement to stay uh, to, to to keep themselves within their own canoe and go peacefully alongside um, the, the 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 canoe for for the English or the or, or for Canada as it came to be known. Um, others. Um, Look at it as a way of moving forward. So, for instance, there's people like John Burroughs who talk about a way to utilize the system to bring back that memory because that understanding of that nation-to-nation relationship, that separateness that exists, that's supposed to, to exist alongside coexistence, um, has been forgotten. And that was done on purpose through a lot of the earlier parts of uh, Canada's formation, um, who, who argue that it could be used in a way to be able to change that view and bring forth more of a, re- a reminder and an, a re-understanding of that relationship to Canadians and to politicians. That's the part I'm curious about, Chadwick, is because, you know, the the message that we often hear is your voice needs to be heard, right? You need to be involved um, and, and, and be part of the process so that you can actually be recognized and be, you know, have your your issues brought forward. But at the same time, that sort of goes count. I mean, how do you how do you balance those two? Which way is the is the correct way here? Well, that's 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 a good question. It's a it's an ongoing discussion amongst a lot of First Nations, Inuit, and Métis peoples, and within their communities and and, and nations. Because, like like non-Indigenous people, we're not we're not a, a whole one. Like 
like um, not just people first nation they're not all one and within each nation they're not all going to be the same there's going to be di- diverse opinions on how to move forward and and then what that can entail so that's an ongoing debate and discussion that goes on within yeah. first nations communities but it, it's one that is obviously you know we're talking today about that it's something that's sometimes forgotten by the general canadian society of that part that it's more than just citizenship or that indigenous people don't go vote it's that history that has to be considered and the reminder that for, for First Nations people, uh, especially, um, Canada dictates to us who is one of us and who's not. We are legally, unilaterally, legally told who is one of us and who is not. We are one group out of two. So Native Americans in the United States also go through this. But these, these two countries are the only two areas where there's a group of people who are told who's allowed to be one of them and not, and we're given a number for it, rather than following that agreement. So this is complexity that comes into, and when we're talking about voting and, and, and participating in Canada, there's also that need to have a conversation about what our own citizenship structures are, how we move forward, and what's a middle ground going forward. Because like every other society, First Nations people are not frozen in time. We're not just stuck in a pre-1492 context. We we change. We, we, we borrow from each other. We have good ideas on certain things, and there's certain things, like certain other... Um, uh, ideas and philosophies that may have been adopted from from other nations when we, when we had contact with them, just as it was done in many parts of the world. Um, but it's a conversation that needs to be had that that, yeah. that needs to be had without the idea that we have to be stuck in this pre fourteen ninety two or pre seventeen sixty three context. And I'm talking about seventeen sixty three because of the Royal Proclamation. It, it really is fascinating, Chadwick. Are those conversations happening? Are these discussions taking place to sort of take it take a, a different perspective on all of this? It, it really is fascinating. Um, it's starting to trickle out. Like there, there's been some key people who start to do this. You can, uh, as someone who's in political science, um, it, it's key to remember that, like, for instance, the first Indigenous person to really be considered and, and published in the Canadian Journal of Political Science was Joyce Green in 2000. So this has become a thing following the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples. But it's more, you're starting to see more of this discussion going on and starting to see it because there's more Indigenous uh, scholars who are now in academia and who are pushing this yeah. and blending the, the Western academic setting with their own Indigenous um, academic settings or their own nation's way of doing um, education. Fascinating stuff. Chadwick, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you joining us. No problem. Thank you for having me. You bet. That's Chadwick Cowie, who is a faculty lecturer at the Department of Political Science at McGill University. And it it really is an interesting discussion, you know, and uh, I'll be following it closely to see how this how this goes moving forward, because, you know, when you, you, you take a closer look at the examination of the issue, there's, there's the competing narratives there is you need to be involved in this process to make sure that your voice is heard. And then there's the other side saying, yeah, but that's not the process we agreed to. That's not what the deals were made on. That's not how things were supposed to work for us.